0: Amen. I tell you what, I'm getting serious about this. I hope some of the rest of you are getting serious about this too, uh, because you know this is one area that affects everybody on this planet. You know, I mean, nobody can come to you and say, "Well, you just don't understand." You know, you, uh, you know, you, you've never. Been worried before. You've never been anxious before. Nobody can can is a, can escape this. You know, this is something everybody on the planet uh, is confronted with. But we as believers, we shouldn't have to live like the world lives. Amen. Those people, they have, you know, they're without God. They're they're outside of the the covenants of God. And, uh, you know, they're without hope and without God in the world. And uh, unfortunately, many Christians, you know, really don't experience the peace of God in their everyday lives. Uh, there, there's a, a life in Christ uh, that, that's available to us that many Christians or most Christians have not yet reached. But that's what we're looking for. Amen? Amen. The Word of God uh, tells us that uh, we can live free from uh, anxiety and the cares of this world. Uh, and we looked, you know, last time we looked at John sixteen thirty three, where Jesus said, uh, you know, in this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Uh, I think it's the Amplified Bible says, I have disarmed it of power to harm you, and I have conquered it for you. So, um, Jesus has already done something about the trouble in the world. Amen? But, uh, we're still here and the devil's still here. So, and we're living in a cursed atmosphere and environment. So, uh, you know we can we can live free from this, uh, just because you're set free from something doesn't necessarily mean that it's disappeared. you know you, you We can be set free from fear and worry and things like that, but it doesn't mean we 'll never encounter it again, but it means that we we don't have to let it get in us and we can live free from it even though... It's out here around us. So Jesus has made this possible. So we're going to continue our study along this line of living free from anxiety. So this is part two. So let's turn to our scripture text, Philippians 4. Philippians 4 verse 6 says be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your request be known unto God And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Uh, The New American Standard says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds, In Christ Jesus. Now let's turn over a few pages to 1 Peter 5. 1 Peter 5. Verse 6. I'm going to read from the New American Standard. It says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. Now, if you weren't here last time, um, this will mean a whole lot more to you if you go back and listen to the last session, part one. And I've got uh, a couple of, CDs over here from part one last time. uh, Or you can go to the website and listen to it. But I highly suggest that you go back and listen to part one because this will mean a whole lot more to you after you've listened to part one. But I'll just uh, briefly just mention several things that we talked about last time. We looked at two major keys... To living free from anxiety and these are two major keys that I want us to take away from this study one is because we are in Christ we do not have to let the cares and worries and anxieties of life get into our heart and our mind because we are in Christ we don't have to let the cares and anxieties of life get into our heart and into our mind we get to choose what we think about we looked at proverbs fifteen fifteen. it says heaviness in the heart of man maketh it stoop but a good word maketh it glad the passion translation says everything seems to go wrong when you feel weak and depressed But when you choose to be cheerful, every day will bring you more and more joy and fullness. So we can choose to be cheerful and trust God, or we can choose to be worried and anxious and depressed and frustrated. Now, the unbelieving world out here, they have no access to the peace of God. They're looking for peace in um, uh, pills, and drinks, and yoga, and mental activities, and physical activities. Um, they're, they're looking to all these things, trying to find peace. Meditation, and all these mind science activities. But the only true source of peace is in God. In Christ is the only source of true peace. The second major key to living free from anxiety is learning what is important in life and what is a total, complete waste of time to get upset about. Learning to recognize what is really important in life and what is a total waste of time. And I should just... Can this and not waste my time worrying about it. Let's say this together. Don't sweat the small stuff. One more time.
1: Don't sweat the
0: small stuff. Amen. Now, we looked at two indicators that uh, tell us that we're trusting God. Joy and peace. When you have joy and you have peace, you're in faith and you're trusting God. When you recognize you've lost your peace and your joy about something, then you've gotten out of faith and you've gotten over into worry and anxiety and fear and frustration and so forth. We looked at three causes of anxiety. One was thinking about the past or the future. Thinking about the past or the future. Dwelling on things in the past probably that you cannot even do anything about. Dwelling on things in the future that haven't even happened yet. These are major causes of anxiety and the reason the devil wants us to live in the past and dwell on something that we can't do anything about or something in the future that hasn't even happened is because he wants to rob us of our peace and joy today he wants to rob us of the joy of our salvation today so if 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 something in the past you can do something about it and you can make recompense for it do it but if you can't bury it and let's let's move on another cause of anxiety Confrontations and conversations. Uh, this is not to say that you never prepare for anything in advance. You know, if you're having a meeting with someone, uh, you know, or a business transaction, of course you prepare the best that you can. But uh, as far as trying to figure out and work out in your mind every possible scenario about the future, That's right there, that's a waste of time. So that's a good way to indicate uh, a waste of time. Uh, When you realize you're getting anxious and upset about something, pressure's piling up on you, uh, it's it's indication that you're trusting in yourself and your own ability instead of trusting the Holy Spirit to help you. Proverbs 3.5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. Uh, the message translation says, Trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. This is a major cause of anxiety. Round and round and round and round. What am I going to do about this? Or, you know, what about that? What if this happens? What if, what if? The Living Bible says, if you want favor with both God and man and a reputation for good judgment and common sense, then trust the Lord completely. Don't ever trust yourself. Don't ever trust yourself. And we looked at a third cause of anxiety, which Um, Our duties and obligations. Duties and obligations. And we looked at the story of Mary and Martha. And uh, we saw, you know, where Jesus was coming to their house to have a meeting and teach the word. And Martha became very preoccupied with the food arrangements and what they were going to eat and so forth and it just got bigger and bigger and bigger and it got out of control and she got overwhelmed with these food preparation and she went to Jesus and she uh, tried to get Jesus to make Mary come help her and Jesus said one thing is needful one thing is needful and the one thing that was needful was to put the Word of God first And he said, Mary has chosen the right thing. She has has put the word first priority. She has chosen the right thing. So Martha could have made the same choice and said, uh, I'm going to chill out. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to listen to the word. And Jesus, if you want anything to eat, you're just going to have to take care of it because I'm going to sit here and I'm going to listen to the word. I'm going to make it first place, just like Mary, and you can sort out the food. Amen? So today, let's carry on by looking at another cause of anxiety. Depending on the works of the flesh. Depending on the works of the flesh. Now, the King James versions will often use the term arm of the flesh as opposed to the arm of the Lord. But works of the flesh means the same thing. It means depending on your own human effort to accomplish things instead of trusting God for His perfect will and timing. Now, Jeremiah 17, verse 5, says, Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and maketh flesh his arm. So there is a term, arm of the flesh, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. The easy-to-read version here says, this is what the Lord says. Bad things will happen to those who put their trust in people. Bad things will happen to those who depend on human strength. This is because they have stopped trusting the Lord. A lot of confusion frustration and anxiety is created because people try to get God to work their plan. They get a plan and they want God to bless it and work it out the way they want it to happen and when they want it to happen instead of getting God's plan and sticking with God's plan. So, when you're not leaning on and trusting in God, you're leaning on and trusting in your own human ability and your own effort. And it's going to produce anxiety, and it's also going to create some more problems to deal with that you didn't even have to begin with. So, sometimes the struggles and problems we face are not caused by the devil. Sometimes they're caused by us getting out in in front of God and trying to accomplish things in our own way and our own ability. Let's say this together. I'm not smart enough to run my own life. Now, this is not to say that we're dumb, okay? We're not saying we're dumb. We're saying God sees the whole picture. He sees the end from the beginning. We just see right now, today. And God can see three years from now and 30 years from now. He sees the whole picture. And we just have to trust Him that He's got our best interest at heart and not try to get out in front of Him. God has a plan for every one of us. And we need to find out His plan and work His plan. And this is the way Jesus lived. He found out what the plan was from God, and then he carried out the plan as he got it from God. He found out from God what to say and do, and then he went and said and did it. That's the way he lived. So our part of his plan is to keep on trusting God for his perfect will and timing And God's part is to fulfill the plan in His perfect will and timing. But many times, we want God to do our job, and we want to do His job, you know? So, even if it's something that God has promised you, even if it's something God wants you to have, if you get to the point where you desire that thing so much that you get out in front of God and you begin to take matters into your own hands and you try to bring this thing to pass, you're going to get in trouble and you're going to cause problems that you got to deal with that you didn't even have to begin with. So we can't think that we understand the problem better than God does. You know, sometimes we think, well, God doesn't really understand my situation. I really do understand it. So uh, I'm just going to help him out, you know. Now we have a good example of this in the Bible with Abraham and Sarah. I'm sure you read the story. God made them a promise in their old age that they would have their own son. And when he made the promise to them in Genesis 12, Abraham was 75 years old and Sarah was about the same age. Now, we think that's old to be having kids, but Abraham lived to be 175, and Sarah lived to be 127, so 70 was really kind of middle age almost. You know what I mean for them? But still, the problem is they had never been able to have kids. When they were 20, they couldn't have kids. So now it's even more Seemingly impossible. So, he promised them that through Isaac, the son of promise, that uh, it was through Isaac that the covenant blessings would be fulfilled to the descendants of Abraham. So, Sarah and Abram, they sat in their tent after God had made them his promise. They sat in their tent. And they started looking at each other. They started looking at each other and they started talking. And uh, Abraham would say to Sarah, how do you think God's going to do this? Now, by now, 10 years have gone by, okay? 10 years have gone by and nothing has happened. This is about Genesis 15. Ten years have gone by, and they sit in their tent every night, and Abraham says, how do you think God is going to do this? And Sarah says to Abraham, how do you think God's going to do this? And uh, they both look at each other, and they say, I don't know. looks impossible to me. And the more they talked about it, and the more they looked at it, and the more they went round and round and round about the problem, the more confused. And the more frustrated, and the more anxious, and the more impatient they became. So, they got tired of waiting on God. So, they came up with their own plan. And uh, Sarah said, I have a plan. You take my servant Hagar, and you have a son by her. Everybody say, turn into the arm of the flesh. She said, you take my servant Hagar and you have a son by her. And instead of Abraham saying, get behind me, Satan, that's the craziest idea I ever heard in my life. Are you out of your mind? He said, that's a wonderful plan. He went right along with it. I mean, he did not resist at all. He said, that's a wonderful plan. So, Abraham did nothing to stop this plan, just like Adam did nothing to stop Eve from eating of that fruit in the garden. And as soon as they found out that Hagar was pregnant, trouble starts in the household. Now we got trouble in the household that we didn't have to begin with. Hagar begins to mock and tease and taunt and make fun of Sarah because she can't have kids. And, and uh, Hagar is saying, well now Abraham thinks he loves me more than he loves you because you can't have kids and I can have kids So now we got this competition and this rivalry and this trouble brewing now and Sarah begins to complain about the results of the plan that she concocted. It was her plan and now she's complaining about the outcome. So She says to Abraham, You better do something about this. And Abraham says, Hey, she's your servant, and it was your idea. You deal with it. So now they've got this trouble brewing. And uh, in a way, he was right. It was her idea, it was her plan, but he went along with it. So ultimately, It was his responsibility, and Abraham's responsibility was to trust God and believe what God said about supernaturally producing a son for them according to his promise. That was Abraham's responsibility, was to wait on God's perfect time and his way And believe his word. And Abraham failed in that responsibility. What he did, he cast away his responsibility when he should have cast away the care of how and when God was going to do it. He should have cast the care of how God's going to do this over on the Lord and he didn't. He cast away his responsibility to stand and believe God and wait for God's perfect will and timing. So he failed in that responsibility. It was much easier to go along with the misguided scheme than it was to stand on the word of God and what God had promised them. So once Isaac was born, Ishmael began to make fun of Isaac. And Sarah notices Ishmael is making fun of Isaac all the time. Well, of course, that upsets her because Isaac is her little boy, you know. And the stepchild, the child of human effort, he's making fun of Isaac, and of course Sarah doesn't like it. And again, she goes to Abraham and says, you better do something about this. So, Abraham reluctantly sent Hagar and Ishmael away. He sent them out of the household. He he (coughs) banished them from the household. Now, folks, this incident right here, this story, is a major root cause of the hatred between the Muslims and the Jews today. Because, Because Hagar taught Ishmael to hate Abraham and to hate the Jews because he's the one that banished them and abandoned them and sent them away. And folks, this hatred, this is how deep this hatred runs. 4,000 years later, we are still living in the midst of this hatred. I mean, they've got their guns pointed toward Israel, every missile pointed toward them right now, vowing to blow Israel off the map any day. And it all started right here with this story. So they produced Ishmael, a product of human effort, a work of the flesh. And they did nothing to speed up the promise of Isaac being born. They still had to wait 25 years for him to be born uh, and for God to fulfill his promise through Isaac. And in Genesis 21, 2, it says, For Sarah conceived and bear Abraham a son in his old age at the set time of which God had spoken to him. Let's say this together. The set, time, the set time. Not my time. Not my time. Amen. So Isaac was God's plan. Ishmael was Sarah's plan. Isaac was the son of promise. Ishmael was the son of of human effort the child of the flesh so we need to wait for God's plan and don't try to carry out our own and create problems for ourselves more problems for ourselves than what we had to begin with so we don't want an Ishmael car we don't want an Ishmael house you don't want an Ishmael husband or wife You know, you don't want an Ishmael job. You don't want an Ishmael ministry. In other words, you you want something so bad, you get out there in front of God and you think, I'm going to make this happen. So, So we need to avoid that. Amen? When it's the Lord's plan, He will finish it. It takes a mature individual to wait on the Lord to bring to pass His perfect will and timing. Immature people get out ahead of God and they end up frustrated. So here's a great stress reliever. Lord, I don't know what to do about this. If you want me to do something, show me. If you don't show me, then I'm not going to turn to the works of the flesh. I'm not going to turn to my own human effort to try to make this happen. I'm going to wait on you I'm going to enjoy my life and you can work out the problem. Amen? Now that's casting your care over on the Lord. Now, Psalm, let's turn to Psalm 37. Psalm 37, verse 5. It <coughs> says, Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. Now the word commit here in the Hebrew means to roll. To roll. The Amplified Classic actually brings this out. It says roll... uh, Commit your work, your way to the Lord. Roll. Sorry, I'm on the wrong scripture. That's okay. I'm ahead. Of, I think I forgot to make a slide for this. Sorry. The amplified classic says, "Commit your way to the Lord. Roll and repose each care of your load on Him. Trust, lean on, rely on, and be confident also in Him." and he will bring it to pass. Verse 7 says, Rest in the Lord, and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. The Amplified translation of this verse says, Be still before the Lord, wait patiently for him, and entrust yourself to him. Do not fret, whine, or agonize because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who carries out wicked schemes. The Good News Translation says, be patient and wait for the Lord to act. Don't be worried about those who prosper or those Who succeed in their evil plans. This is how we stay free from worry and anxious cares. Now you'll notice in these script in these verses the word rest. Be still. Wait patiently. Trust God. Don't fret. Let's say that out loud together. Rest. Be still, still. wait patiently, patiently. trust God, God. don't fret. fret. Amen. Let's write this down. When When you trust God, you don't worry. When you trust God, you don't worry. Proverbs 16, 3, commit. That's the word, Hebrew word roll again. Commit thy works unto the Lord and thy faults shall be established. The Amplified Classic says, roll your works upon the Lord. Commit and trust them wholly to Him. He will cause your faults to become agreeable to His will and so shall your plans be established, and succeed. I read another um, translation of Rome as well. It was slam. Oh, Mm. good. I like that word. (laughs) That sounds violent, and we may get into that maybe next time. Uh, The Passion Translation says, before you do anything, put your trust totally in God, and not in yourself then every plan you make will succeed Isaiah 26 3 this is a good one thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee um the phrase here, perfect peace, is expressed in Hebrew as shalom, shalom. And it's a Hebrew method of putting great emphasis on a word. Like by repeating it twice, is putting great emphasis on this word. Young's literal translation and several other translations say peace, peace. It means peace complete peace, like a measure of complete peace. It implies everything in the word shalom, health, happiness, well-being, and peace. Now the word stayed here is also translated in other versions as steadfast or fixed. It describes stability. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stable or fixed on thee because he trusteth in thee. The Common English Bible says those with sound thoughts you will keep in peace. In peace because they trust in you. So we, have, we are parts to do something with our mind and not let it just run wild. That's our part. And if you think about it, anxiety is not really caused by circumstances. It's how we think about the circumstances and how we react to the circumstances. That's what produces the anxiety. How do we think about our circumstances? So keeping your mind on God is trusting in God. And you can't trust God and have your mind running wild at the same time. And God's part is to keep us in an atmosphere and environment of complete peace right here and now. Now let's turn over to John 14. John 14 everybody doing okay? John 14. Now this is right before Jesus goes to the cross and he's leaving the earth. And all along from time to time he's been trying to prepare his disciples by telling them that he's he's not always going to be here. He's going to be leaving at some point and that they can't go with him right now. And they're upset about it. Uh, which is understandable. I mean, they have heard the word taught like they have never heard in their lifetime, totally compl- taught with revelation, totally opposite from uh, the do's and the don'ts and the regulations that they've all grown up with. And they've seen the dead raised, they've seen blind eyes open, they've seen the deaf here, they've seen arms grow back and legs grow back and and leprous parts of the body restored and and all these wonderful things and now they're fearful and they're anxious because they don't know about the future. They don't know what's going to happen in the future so they're understandably upset about this and Jesus comes to to them again one more time right before he goes to the cross and he says in verse 1, let not your heart be troubled. Be- ye believe in God, believe also in me. Do not be worried. The Good News translation says, Do not be worried and upset, Jesus told them. Believe in God and believe also in me. The Phillips translation says, You must not let yourselves be distressed, and you must hold on to your faith in God and to your faith in me. The message says, don't don't let this throw you. You trust God, don't you? Trust me. The Passion Translation says, don't worry or surrender to your fear. For you've believed in God, now trust and believe in me also. For many Christians, they don't think it's within their control as to whether they can let their heart be troubled or not. Uh, You know, a lot of people just think they're a victim of whatever happens around them. But Jesus said, don't let your heart be troubled. And this is not just a suggestion. This was actually a command. Let's say this together. Don't let your heart be troubled. Again, don't let your heart be troubled. One more time. Don't let your heart be troubled. Now I believe Jesus made this a command because he realized the serious consequences of being anxious and loaded down with the cares of life. And uh, this also goes along with what Jesus said in Mark 4 when he taught about the so-or-sows the word. Uh, Young's literal translation says, and the anxieties of this age and the deceitfulness of the riches and the desires concerning the other things entering in, choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. Now I looked up the word anxious in the dictionary and the Latin meaning of it means to choke. In Latin it means to choke. So this is what Jesus is saying here, the anxieties, the deceitfulness of riches, desires and concerns for other things, all these things Entering in, where? Entering in your heart and your mind. They choke the word. This is one of the devil's strategies for choking the word in your life, is to get, is to, is to pile up, you know. He, he, he works on the pile up method, you know. When you catch yourself being overwhelmed and, and you begin to tense up, and you begin to get under pressure about things and you're, you get anxious because all of these things are piling up and all these timelines or whatever are piling up on you, I can guarantee you when you get that point, your word level has dropped off. That's a good sign that your word level has gotten low. And you gotta get that word level back up. And that's really what Jesus is talking about here. These things start piling on and they start choking the word out. And then you realize, well, you know, it's really been a week since I even looked at my Bible or listened to a podcast or CD or whatever. And in the meantime, all this stuff's been coming at you and your word level starts getting low and you start tensing up and these things start getting on top of you. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? Okay. The Passion Translation says, but they allow the cares of this life and the seduction of wealth and the desires for other things to crowd out and choke the word so that it produces nothing. Who allows it? They allow it. We allow it. We allow them to enter in. Now, many Christians will say, well, I just can't stop it. Well, Jesus said, stop letting your heart be troubled. So it must be within our control to stop it. And if it wasn't within our control to stop it, then he would be unjust to say, don't let it be troubled if we couldn't let it be troubled so on, on the one hand if you believe that you can't stop worrying in a way you can't <laughs> if you think i can't stop then you can't but Jesus did not expect us to do it in our own ability he goes on in uh, he goes on in John 14 here uh, And he goes on by telling them, I am not going to abandon you. I'm not going to leave you alone just because I'm physically leaving. I'm I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to send you another comforter and another helper. And he will not just be with you. He will be in you. And this word another, where he says another comforter, I think over in verse 16, I shall give you another comforter. That word another is the Greek word altos, and it means another one just like me. I'm going to send another one just like me, and he's going to live in you. And verse 27 says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. He says, "My peace I give you." We don't even have to pray for peace; it's already on the inside of us. There we it's go. a, We've got it. Amen. Yeah, we got it. We got it. It's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. When we got born again, God imparted little seeds of of, of faith. And, and love and long-suffering and goodness and kindness and peace uh, on the inside of us. He, he planted them in their seed and, and uh, we have to yield to them. They're not just automatic, but we can call on. We, we, we're gonna learn how this peace comes to, to, to our assistance. So we can choose not to let worry, care, frustration, anxiety, and fear in our mind. And because we're in Christ, we have his peace. And you never get the impression from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John that Jesus ran around fretful and worried and, you know, what am I going to do about this and what are they going to think about me if I say this, you know. Uh, he, He was not frustrated and fretful on a daily basis. He found out God's plan. He always sought God, and whatever God told him to do and say, that's what he did. And Jesus went through some stuff. Jesus went through some stuff that we will never have to go through. But in order to experience the peace of God, we're going to have to stop worrying and we're going to have to cast our cares over on the Lord and leave them there. Uh, A lady came to Brother Hagen once and said, would you pray for me that I'll never have another worried thought? And he said, if I could pray it for you, I'd pray it for myself. (laughs) I, I, I understand that. So in verse 27 again Jesus says peace I leave with you my peace I give to you not as the world giveth give I unto you let not your heart be troubled neither let it be afraid. So life doesn't really happen out here externally. Life really happens in here. And there's Sometimes there's not a whole lot we can do about what's going on out here, but we can do something about what's going on in here. In here. Amen? So let's say this together. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what it looks like. I believe God is working. I believe God is working. Now let's turn to Philippians 4. This is one of our uh, scripture texts that we started out with. Philippians 4. In the New King James Version, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Verse 5. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Now the King James Version says uh, let your moderation be known to all men. Now the word moderation here is not really a very good, it doesn't really convey uh, the meaning here very well. The word gentleness is a much better translation. It describes someone who is forbearing and considerate and it's the opposite of harsh and abrasive and sarcastic. Uh, The Geneva translation says, Let your patient mind be known unto all men. The good news says, Show a gentle attitude toward everyone. This describes somebody who's easy to get along with. And when you're anxious and you're scared and you're worried and you're frustrated, you're not very easy to get along with. You're uh, harsh and abrasive and sarcastic. Verse 6 says, Be anxious for nothing except your kids. Be anxious for nothing unless you get a bad doctor's report. Be anxious for nothing unless you're really in debt. Is that what it says? For nothing. Be anxious for nothing. What does nothing mean? Nothing. 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 Amen. We all got that straight. Amen. <laughs> That's good. Be anxious for nothing. Let's say this again. I don't care what it looks like. I believe God's working in my life right now. I believe in my life. Amen. Amen. Uh, I didn't finish that. I didn't finish that previous verse. Be anxious for nothing. Um, let me find my place here. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. Now this is verse, we're still on verse 6. Notice the words nothing and everything. Nothing and everything. I'm on a different translation, but I'm still reading from the New King James. Nothing and everything. It says we're to be anxious about nothing, and we're to let our requests be made known to God with thanksgiving about everything. Now the word, depending on what version you have, the word careful or anxious, whatever version, the word careful or anxious here um, is the Greek word that's also translated worry in Matthew 6, when Jesus talks about worry, and we're not going to get there today. I think we'll talk about that next time. But it's, they're all the same Greek word, and it means to divide in parts. To divide in parts. Now, the words suggest a distraction, a preoccupation with things, Causing anxiety, stress, and pressure. And this translation in the Passion translation brings this out. It says, don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. Be saturated in prayer throughout each day, offering your faithful requests before God with overflowing gratitude, Tell him every detail of your life. Uh, God's word translation verse six says, "Never worry about anything, but in every situation, let God know what you need and prayers and request with thanks while thanks while giving thanks not while complaining (laughs) while giving thanks not while complaining I threw that in the not while complaining the uh, new American Bible revise says have no anxiety at all the message says don't fret or worry instead of worrying pray Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good, will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Now these are commands not just suggestions. This is the way people who walk by faith should be living. Worry-free, care-free, fear-free, anxiety-free. Amen? Verse 7 in the God's Word translation says, Then God's peace, which goes beyond anything we can imagine, will guard your thoughts in emotions through Christ Jesus. Now, this, depending on what translation you have, it uses the word "guard" or "keep," and uh, this is a military term that pictures a guard standing in tree to keep out intruders. A guard standing in uh, a guard standing to protect against intruders. That's what the word guard here means. The Living Bible says, If you do this, you will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. His peace will keep your thoughts and your hearts quiet and at rest as you trust in Christ Jesus. Now, if somebody says, "Yeah, but you don't understand," and "Yeah, but I've got this going on," that's leaning to your own understanding. You can't trust God and lean on your own understanding at the same time. So the peace of God will rise up, and it will transcend. It will transcend your human understanding. And it will guard your heart and mind to protect you from the enemy of anxiety. And this will be a witness to other people. This will really be a witness to other people. Uh, When you're worry-free and everybody else is falling apart around you and they're losing it, and you're worry-free and you're chilled out and you're trusting God, Everybody is going to notice it around you. And this will be a part of your witness. People around you are going to want to know why, how can you be so calm and and so peaceful when everybody else around you is is falling apart. So if we wring our hands and we fall apart like everybody else that, that doesn't know God, what kind of a witness is that. We're we're supposed to be living different. Now let's look at verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things (coughs) are pure, (coughs) whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, Think on these things. Now notice, in verse 8, Paul connects what we think about with the peace of God in verse 7. He connects the peace of God in verse 7 with what we think about in verse 8. So we can... We, we keep seeing this theme over and over in all these scriptures. We, we can choose what we think about. Fixing your mind on the circumstances produces anxiety and worry and fear. And fixing your mind on the promises of God and trusting Him produces the peace of God. Now this word... Um, This word, good report, in the King James, means a well-saying. You could say like a praise report. A well-saying, and it includes the avoidance of words of ill omen. In other words, negative. It's not not anything negative or ill omen. The complete Jewish Bible says, In conclusion, brothers, focus... Your thoughts on what is true, noble, righteous, pure, lovable, or admirable, on some virtue or on something praiseworthy. The Living Bible. Fix your thoughts on what is true and good and right. Think about things that are pure and lovely and dwell on the fine good things in others. Think about all you can praise God for and be glad about. <clears throat> the Phillips translation says, fix your mind on these. So we keep getting these words, focus, fix your thoughts and your minds on these things. Now the Old Testament counterpart to Philippians 4.8 is Proverbs 4.20-22. 20 to 22. My son, attend to my words, and climb thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thy eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart, for they are life unto those that find them, and health to all their flesh. So you go to the word of God and you find a promise that covers your situation. Now in some Bibles... Mine has a small concordance at the back. Not all Bibles do, but a lot of Bibles, they have a small concordance at the back according to subject or word. And you can go to the back of your Bible and you can find the subject that's your area that you need to focus on. And you find scriptures there where this word is used in the Bible. And if you get a really proper concordance like Strong's or Young's, it's got every word in the Bible and every verse of Scripture in the Bible where that Scripture is used. So you, you take a promise, you find, you don't, have to, don't get overwhelmed, but just find a promise that fits your situation and you begin to fix your mind on it. And you open up the Bible to it and you fix your eyes on it and you begin to read it. And you begin to think about it. And you begin... To apply it to your situation. And the word, med- this is meditating on the Word of God. You're thinking about it, you're dwelling on it, just like you would do on the circumstances or the problem that creates worry and anxiety. You take the same process, and instead of thinking about the problem, you go to the Word and you start thinking about the answer by putting your eyes on it. And the word meditate also means to mutter, to mutter to yourself. So, you know, if you're at work or somewhere, you can just quietly, uh, just below your breath, you can speak, you can read it out loud, you can speak it out loud, just loud enough that you can hear yourself. This is how you meditate on the word and it uh, disciplines your mind and it keeps your mind from veering off on the wrong thoughts. And this is another way, a major way, you can live free from anxiety and not let these cares and worries enter in and not let your heart be troubled. So the bottom line here is controlling what you think about. Now, when any thoughts come into your mind that don't meet the criteria on this list, Whatever's good, pure, you know, true, honest, pure, lovely, good report. If they don't uh, agree with this list, when they approach your mind, the peace of God will rise up on the inside of you and say, no entry. You can't come in. That peace of God, we said, it stands like a guard, and it will keep the enemy thoughts of the enemy out. If you've ever seen a war film, I know Frank and uh, Peter served in the military. I don't. I guess I, maybe it's just in the movies. I don't know if they do this in real life or not. But when they would send out uh, a scout to scout the enemy, and they, and the scout would come back, they would have to give a password to get back in the camp because. Otherwise, they hear somebody rattling around out there in the bushes. They don't know if it's our guy or the enemy. So, you have to, the, the, when they hear the bushes rattling out there, the guard is standing there at the camp and he says, who goes there? And the, the scout gives the password and if it's the right password, he knows this is friendly and he lets him in the camp. So, this list, this list, whatever's good, a true, honest, pure, lovely, good report, this is our list of fault passwords. And, and when these, whatever's true, noble, just, good report, when this fault comes, the peace of God will rise up on the inside of you and say, who goes there? And if it's good, pure perfect, lovely, good report, the peace of God will say, yeah, come on in. Yeah, we, we, we'll, that, we, we accept that thought. But if, the past, if you have a fault, what are we going to do about this? And how am I going to do this? And where are we going to get that? The peace of God will rise up and say, "Nope, that's not the password. Entry denied. You can't come in. So that's the way it works, amen? This is the way the peace of God will guard your heart. Now, that will eliminate a lot of things that you can think about, won't it? (laughs) This list right here will eliminate a lot of things that you can think about. So we're not denying that these things exist. We've heard them, we've seen them, we've felt them. But that's, that's it, that's enough. Don't continue to think about it, talk about it, look at it. When you realize that your mind is drifting off and it's getting over into these areas, get the remote and change the channel. Amen? Turn off the worry channel and turn on the word channel or turn on the praise channel or turn on the thanksgiving channel. Amen? Because if we keep our hearts and minds on the Lord, He will keep us in perfect peace. So if we're not in peace, we're thinking about something that's not on this list. Amen? Verse 9 says, Those things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. Notice the words, these do. These do, and the God of peace will be with you. Having the peace of God rise up inside you is dependent on doing what the Word says. So what we have to be doers of the Word and not just forgetful hears. We can't just come in and say, well, that was good and the coffee was good. And it was good to see everybody. And just go out and, and just take up where we left off. The same old, same old. Nothing's going to change. And the word of God is supposed to be changing us. Amen? Hallelujah. I'm, I'm getting serious about this. I'm not going to live my life in fear. I am not going to live my life in fear. I am not going to live worried and, and stressed out and, and anxious every day of my life. That is not the will of God. That is not the plan of God for his people. And even though we live in a cursed world where it's crazy, we do not, by the word and by the Holy Spirit, we have a higher way, God's made a higher way for us to live. And we got to make some decisions, amen? And that's what I want us to do during this study. We're we're finishing off here. The Amplified says, The things which you have learned and received and heard and seen of me, practice these things in daily life. That's what we're talking about. Practice these things in daily life. And the God who is the source of peace and well-being will be with you. So what's going to keep you steady and stable in a crazy world? The peace of God. The peace of God. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah.